Hello and welcome to the Spiraling Higher podcast hosted by me, Sam, Mindset and Manifestation Coach. And me, Gina, your Biz and Mindset Coach. We're here to support you on your spiritual journey by bringing you intimate and raw conversations about healing, manifestation, consciousness, and spirituality. We hope this podcast makes you feel less alone as you become aware of your patterns and limiting beliefs to uplevel your life, manifest like a boss, and together, spiral higher. Welcome back to the Spiraling Higher podcast. Um, as always, Sam and I are so excited about this next guest. Her name is Leslie Draffin. She is a menstrual cycle coach and a feminine embodiment mentor. And she is super passionate about eradicating shame and fear around women's bodies, cycles, and sex. Yes, it was freaking amazing. If you are a female body that menstruates, then this conversation will be so freaking illuminating for you because, you know, Gina and I have dealt with different things regarding our home hormones. Um, I actually got off birth control about 19 months ago, and I've been tracking my cycle and realizing that if I want to find information about my hormonal and menstrual cycle, it's so much research. It's not common knowledge. You know, if you grew up in the States or I'm not sure about Canada because I grew up in the States, but there's not a lot of education around reproductive health. So if you grew up like as a teenage young teen and say for me, it was early 2000s, um, there was no education unless you got it from your mom or like your aunt or something. There was no class that taught me about my cycle. I didn't know the different phases of my cycle. I mean, I was born, um, not born in Tennessee, but I was raised there where like, basically you thought you could look at a guy and get pregnant. Like, yeah. <laughs> like you didn't understand like ovulation. And so like how these different hormones work. Um, it was so illuminating to talk to her about the different phases, you know, what sort of expectations to have. And like a lot of just the taboo around yeah. periods. Like, why aren't we talking about this? Like 50% of people have a period. Yeah. And I really love her approach to it because I think that anyone who does have a period, you know, especially in the beginning stages of when you first get it, there's so much shame around it. And even now, uh, I was actually talking to Sam and Leslie after the episode was over just about how even now there's a level of bitterness sometimes of, oh, I'm a woman and I need to deal with this and I get my period. And, and, and we're kind of annoyed by this fact that we have to deal with this. But the way that Leslie describes it is such a sacred experience. And I just love her approach. And you're going to hear her advice, I guess you can say, in terms of how to talk to our kids about this as well, Mm. so that we can start to change that narrative and change that perspective on our cycles. Yeah. I mean, this is basically a taking the power back kind of conversation because we even went into towards the end, so empowering, but we talked about a lot of the history that's been lost and the way that the feminine body was honored. You know, we are lunar beings. It's so crazy. It talked about in the episode, but I'm literally in cycle with the moon, right? Mm -hmm. When the sky goes dark, that's when I have my bleed. And then when the sun, sorry, not the sun, the moon is like bright and full. That's when I'm ovulating. And this is how women work on an infradian rhythm, which is approximately 28 days. And that's something that we're not educated on. So Leslie goes really deep into that about how, you know, obviously the work day is scheduled around the circadian rhythm. Obviously men and women both have 
have that, but, you know, men's hormones function on the circadian rhythm. So, you know, feeling perky in the daytime and feeling, you know, tired in the nighttime. Um, obviously, most people can relate to that on a general level, but women's hormones, their energy levels are fluctuating across an approximate 28-day cycle. And so you're not going to expect the same thing from yourself week one versus week four of your cycle. And to expect that from yourself is so harmful and so damaging. Mm -hmm. And a lot of this is due to so much conditioning, patriarchal conditioning. And so women are being really ushered into this new era of becoming a cyclical being and learning how to structure their diet, lifestyle, you know, even working out around that. Because one of the things she mentioned was how if you're someone who's obsessed with like losing weight and mm -hmm. you're really, you know, you're crazy about your diet and your exercise, you know, a lot of these actually backfire if you're not working with your cycle. Mm -hmm. So for example, um, you know, I used to be really weight obsessed and in some ways still am because I'm so deeply conditioned, but I was just obsessed with like high intensity workouts. You know, I'm like being really mindful about like how much I'm eating, how much I'm not eating. But if you're really paying attention to your cycle and based on the conversation that you'll hear, you'll learn, oh, like different weeks, I need different things. And mm -hmm. it seems so obvious, but we're not conditioned to be curious about this, to learn about this. We are conditioned to just wake up and do the same thing every day. It's like if you're someone who's like, oh, I work out every morning at 8 a.m. It's like that probably works really well if you're a guy. But if you're a female body that menstruates, that's like actually not the best for you. Like maybe mm. you don't need to wake up at 8 a.m. Like, like maybe your body needs different things depending on where you are in the cycle. Mm. And so, um, I mean, I was like amazed at so many things that so many knowledge bombs. There were so many knowledge bombs. And I think it really just helped to unravel, like you said, how much conditioning we have had, but also just the lack of education. Like I had no idea about some of the, these things. And you'll hear us talk about all of our stories about getting on birth control and really how we went into a blind. I was like, sure, I'll, yes. I'll take this. No problem. Right. Um, without having any understanding about the impact of my body and ultimately even my mood or like my emotions, we kind of only know that, yeah, when you have PMS, you're kind of in a bad mood. And that's really the extent of my, what my education was around my period. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there is literally no education. And so what this conversation really inspires or what we hope it inspires is that if you're someone who's curious about your lifestyle and hormone health, you know, really take that step and advocate for yourself because yeah. it's not something that people are going to teach you. It's something that you have to really take and take the power back. And yes. um, it's, it's difficult. It's not easy. It's not it should be intuitive, but it isn't because we haven't been raised to really live in sync with our intuition. Mm -hmm. And so we hope after this conversation, you feel that it definitely normalizes a lot of what you go through. I share a lot of my personal journey with getting off birth control. And by the way, if that's something that you are on, that's not something to feel shame about either, right? Mm -hmm. You know, we all make decisions based on the information that we have, based on what we think is best for our bodies and our minds. And so wherever you are in your journey with hormones, or maybe this is all new to you, you're in the right place. There mm -hmm. is no right or wrong, and this is really just an opportunity for you to get curious about, you know, how do I treat myself during these different times of the month? Like, what is my relationship with my my period? What is my relationship with my body, mm -hmm. right? And um, knowing and, and what's actually happening. Yeah, and knowing and understanding that it's such a dynamic process, like that has been so difficult for me because I've been so addicted to, I want to do the same things every day. Like I want to yeah. feel the same amount of productive. I want to feel like, you know, like I'm really doing things with my day. And there are just some days where I can't do that. Like 
And I used to just feel so much shame. I was like, oh, what's wrong with me? Like, I'm so tired. I'm so this. And, you know, really educating myself around the patterns of a menstrual cycle really just helped me forgive and just Mm. let go. And I'm still on that journey. It's so difficult. But, you know, by the end of this, you'll definitely hopefully have rewritten your menstrual cycle story. Leslie talks Mm. about that. You'll understand gender bias and medical studies, um, difference between circadian and infradian rhythm, um, the historical and patriarchal conditioning that has led to the shaming of women's bodies and periods, and really how to reconnect with this part of yourself. Because if you are in a female menstruating body, you will be in one probably until the end of your life. And so mm-hmm. we talk about how even in menopause, like you are still a lunar being. There are still ways to be cyclical. And so, you know, we will have to learn how to work with our body just like the seasons, right? There is spring, there's mm. summer, fall and winter. And what is so crazy is that if you're not already aware, your body basically goes through these every single month. You're mm-hmm. like the Patagonia. Like you just experience all, all the seasons, the we- all the seasons, <laughs> all the different types of weather and emotions, all in all in one body. What an incredible experience um, mm. if you choose to see it as such. Mm, I love that. And I think I really am approaching a viewpoint of how just sacred it is and just how beautiful our bodies are. Just it really, I don't know. She just really illuminated that for me to look at it from that lens. And anyways, if you guys after this listening to this episode, you want to dive deeper into this topic. She has a lot of wonderful offerings, a couple Mm -hmm. freebies she has giving out, and she actually also has a promo code for us. Yes. Um, She has a course called Cycle Codes, which basically is a compilation of so much information. She'll go way into detail in the conversation that you hear, but if you're wanting more, um, you can use the code... um, Actually, the link, sorry, the link will be in the description box. And then the code for a discount is SH222. So normally the price is $260, but you'll get the code or the course, sorry, for $222 using that code. So SH222, and you can find the link for that in the description. But we are so excited for you to hear more from Leslie. Hello, Leslie. Welcome to the Spiraling Higher podcast. How are you? I am fantastic. Thanks so much for having me. We are absolutely stoked. I was following you for, I want to say, maybe a month or so before you came into my um, awareness as a podcast guest. I think Gina sent me your profile and she said, hey, like, what do you think about this person? And I was like, I'm already following and I already (laughs) am consuming all of their information. So I am so excited. And um, our listeners already know a little bit about you, but we would love for you to go into the story of who you are, how you began to connect with your cycle, and how you became a coach. Mm. Well, so my name is Leslie. I call myself a menstrual cycle coach, a feminine embodiment mentor, and I'm also a podcast host like you guys. And so I came to this work because I was so disconnected from myself. Mm. When I had my spiritual awakening in 2019, I all that year, as I was dabbling in all the different spiritual modalities that are kind of like the gateway drug for all of the spiritual folks, like (laughs) crystals and tarot and astrology and journaling and manifestation and you name it, I started to hear this voice within me saying, you are stifling Mm. the feminine. Mm. You are 
cloaking this authentic part of yourself because of being on birth control. And because Mm. my husband now, he was my boyfriend at that point, but we didn't want to have children of our own. We um, may have kids in the future, but we'll probably adopt from foster care, but we didn't want to have them of our own. So he decided to get a vasectomy in early 2020 and I came off of the pill and all hell broke loose. Yep. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Sam knows. So it's like I lost my libido completely. I had mood swings that were so dramatic. I felt like I was spiraling through every single mood there was by noon o'clock. And then I got cystic acne. My hair fell out and I was diagnosed with PCOS. Oh, my goodness. And so I had been on some form of hormonal birth control, either the pill or the IUD for 16 years at that point. Mm. And That was in May of 2020, literally the worst fucking time you could possibly choose to come off of the pill because of how much stress Mm -hmm. was in the collective. Yes, yes. And it took about eight or nine months for my bleed to become like an actual bleed. And after hours, I mean, I spent hundreds of hours and thousands of dollars with specialists and courses and personal trainers and dietitians and all the people trying to figure out what was going on. But when I finally did heal myself, I was talking to a friend from work and she was like, I was just giving her life advice on something. She was younger and she's like, you should be a coach. Like you should be a coach for people. And then I found out there was a period coach. I'm like, oh shit. Like that's the thing. Yeah. This is it. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, as I was going through all the physical symptoms, the thing that really started bubbling up out of nowhere were all of these remembered beliefs that had been ingrained on, on me from a very young age about, about periods, about the menstrual cycle. You know, I was raised very religious. And so the curse of Eve was certainly like a thing that was mm-hmm. spoken about. But, but I also didn't get a good education about reproductive health. Like I thought I could get pregnant at any point in any day. Yeah. Yep. Just look at a boy wrong when I was in high school. Look at a boy wrong and boom, you're pregnant. And (laughs) so all that fear and all of those stories just came bubbling up. And so while I had to do a lot of work on the physical symptoms, the mental and emotional things were just as much, if not more, of the work. And so now so much of what I do is help people eradicate that shame and eradicate the fear and also understand how when you connect with your cycle, it's truly the, first of all, free tool to help you feel in true alignment. Yeah. Mm. My gosh. Well, thank you so much, Leslie, for sharing vulnerably about you coming off birth control and how difficult that was for you. A little bit later, I'll probably share my story and how difficult that was and still is for me. But just going back to the childhood and the lack of education around reproductive health and the stigmatization, I mean, I grew up in Tennessee where I I never learned. That wasn't part (laughs) of the curriculum. Like, you were lucky if you had a mom that just, you know, gave you enough information. But I'll never forget, I was 13 when I got my period. And the first thing my mom said to me was like, oh, man, that sucks. Sorry. <laughs> and I just remember thinking, what? What do you mean? Like, what's happening? Like, I literally thought I had like shit my pants. I was like, what is going on? Yeah. And she just literally looked at me like, oh, man, that sucks. And she had a friend over and I'll never forget this. But her friend mm. was like, yeah, it's going to basically like it's going to be terrible for like the rest of your life. Yeah. And oh not God. helping me feel empowered or educated. I actually remember my first experience of my period feeling so sad. And I was like, oh no, like this is a bad thing that I have to deal with. And I was a ballerina. 
at the time. And I didn't know what to do. I was like, well, what am I going to do when I have to wear like a leotard and tights? And so like all of this conditioning was teaching me from the get-go, like this is just a bad thing. And like yeah. there was- And something you no, have to hide. Something you have to hide, something that you need to like get over. Like I never yeah. really had this relationship with it. And I think that's the norm, right? To not understand the relationship with your body, you know, shaming yourself when you feel differently at different points of the month, right? And so mm. I'm just realizing in my adulthood now, like how that all started from so long yep. ago. And so obviously, Leslie, you were on birth control for 16 years. Um, if you don't mind me asking, what was the initial um, catalyst for you to get on the pill? Sex. <laughs> so Amazing. I, I had, yeah. So I went to college. I was such a good little Christian girl. I wanted to be a virgin until I was married. Um, but I had this boyfriend for years. And so I get to college and I had cystic acne before. It wasn't that bad, but it always seemed to happen in the fall. And now knowing what I know, it's because the fall for me was so stressful and cortisol levels spike and that can also impact your skin. But um, these pimples started coming back and I was like, oh shit. So like, let me go to the doctor. All the girls in the dorm were on birth control and they had just come out with like a new birth control. I don't remember what the name of it was at this point. But I was like, it was really low hormones. Mm -hmm. And so I went to the doctor and they gave me the pill and I took the pill. And I was like religious about the taking of the pill, like had to take it with an alarm because I was so terrified me too. that I was going to get pregnant. Like the terror of, of falling pregnant for me was such a catalyst to like I was using condoms and the pill yeah. <laughs> and still pulling out. Like it was, <laughs> it was like I was terrified. And that terror was definitely ingrained upon me from such an early age because of the shame around unplanned pregnancies. Yeah. I personally so I was adopted and I know my birth mother was 12 when I was conceived and 13 when I was born. And thankfully oh I wasn't goodness. told that story till I was in my 20s because that really would have messed me up had I known that at those ages. Wow. But I wholeheartedly believe that the trauma she endured while I was in her belly and in her womb has been ingrained upon me because mm -hmm. there's no reason really for me to feel some of these feelings that I felt like scarcity, terror, shame like my parents my adoptive parents didn't really put a ton of that on me but i have really feel like it was you know absorbed in utero yeah, yeah. and so i was just had i always had that fear wow well i think about us being in utero and we're like we're like in the water right and we're totally absorbing through the water. We're like a little fish. It's so crazy. Yep. But um, thanks for sharing that. I think that there's a lot of women, obviously for sexual reasons, will get prescribed birth control. But there's also a lot of people who will go to get birth control prescribed for reasons that have nothing to do with your cycle, right? So I actually got on it for acne, right? I okay. remember just having really painful acne, like 14, 15 years old. I got on it when I was 15 and I was told that it was going to control my hormones so that like I wouldn't get these acne flare-ups. And at that mm. point in my life, I was willing to do anything to stop my acne. So I was mm. like, give it to me. And so at that tender young age of 15, I had probably only had a few menstrual cycles, maybe like a year of them, about a year of them. And so I never got to really understand that part of my life and that life, that, that cycle, right? And so then cue forward, I'm on the pill from 15 until 28, right? And okay. so I don't, I don't understand hormonal fluctuation. And to be honest, I'm a little bit 
insensitive towards other women. And I have to be honest about that because when I would watch my friends like go through, you know, their moments of the month, right? I'm like being conditioned to think that like that's okay, like whatever, like you're PMSing, right? It's not that bad. Yeah, right? Because I'm not going through that cycle. I'm literally just being hormonally just, you know, regulated all throughout the month for Mm -hmm. years and years and years. And then Q to 2021, when I got off of it, just like you, Leslie, literally I was insane, insane. Mm -hmm. And I, I just want other women to know this because if you're thinking about getting off the pill or if you're or if you're just not never have been on it, but you have these hormonal fluctuations. Like I remember thinking literally, oh my gosh, like do I need to be like institutionalized? I'm not even kidding. Like I would just be cr- absolutely crazy where I just felt like mm-hmm. I didn't know how to manage the conversations in my mind. The feelings of just anxiety and overwhelm were so, 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 so overpowering. I thought I, I don't know how to move forward. Like I don't know what's going on. But then I never really knew how to take care of myself because after having these freak out moments, it would inevitably wane. Yeah. And then it seems like anyone that I ask, it it really we are still so conditioned even doctors to think like, well, isn't it in alignment with like your cycle? Like it's just your period. And so I I think a lot of women are just not getting the help and the insight that they need because there is so much even in the medical field, there's so much conditioning that says like, oh god. Yeah, yeah, there's that's just your period. And then we can't forget all the years of historical um, trauma that we faced from like hysterectomy, right? It's like, oh, mm. like if you were having these emotions, like you were crazy and your uterus was flying around in your body. And like that's yep. still ingrained. And so I feel that a lot of women are just so shamed for the emotional fluctuation that they experience throughout the month. And like, how do we reconcile with that? Like, how do we work with that? Because even now I still experience really extreme mood swings. And it's so hard because I I don't want to be identified with that. And I don't want people to judge me for that. And so how can I really live in cyclical nature with myself without shaming myself? Because I've been conditioned for so long to just, you know, really be like a static being, right? Wake Mm. up every single day, do the same amount of work, you know, this is who I am. And then when you are connected with your cycle, you you can't stay connected to a static state because it's constantly changing. Yeah. Yeah. I think, wow, there's a ton of, there's a lot in that (laughs) that whole share. So I think to start, one of the things that really helped me when I was having all those mood swings is like a radical recognition of the fact that this is okay. This is okay. Like not judging the different emotions because when we think about emotion, it's energy in motion. And when we don't let those out, it gets stuck. That is my belief. So doing different somatic practices in order to move the feelings through. So I love a good rage ritual where it's just like um, very forceful breathing, punching pillows, screaming, and letting yourself get worked up almost into like hysteria so that you move through the things that feel like they're really settling in on you in a dark, more negative way. Mm-hmm. Um, I also did a lot of journaling. And I feel like that's also such like a thing everybody says, just journal about it. But it's truly for me, it's like recognizing what the emotion is and then doing something to move it out. Right. So the rage emotion, the rage rituals are very good. Meditation and breath work are very good. Changing where you are in the world, like your state. So let's say you just go for a walk. Maybe you need to eat some food. Like let's talk like the the under eating happening in mm. people across this whole freaking planet, like who are still very tuned into diet culture. 
do you need some food? Like, do you need some carbs? Like, is that what it is? Because that's probably if it's coming up on your period, that's probably what it is. You haven't been eating enough. But just having the ability, yeah, to understand that it's fine. Like, everything is okay. Nothing is permanent. And when we start to really look at our cyclical blueprint, which I say is like the cycle tracking data you get after months of months of cycle tracking, that blueprint, you'll start to be able to identify months or sorry, days that may be more of a challenge and then days that are like the optimal day. And so for me, when I would see, oh, shit, I'm going to feel great in a couple of days. This is just something that happens because of this, 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 and this. Mm. What can I do to support myself? What do I want to do that makes me feel great? Take a nap, watch a movie, call out of work, whatever. It was possible then for me to say, okay, it will get better. Mm. Mm -hmm. I really like that. I think that would actually really help you, Sam, because I think one of um, the hardest things, I mean, because I've obviously been here witnessing this in Sam um, because I've also known Sam when she was on birth control and wasn't experiencing these moments throughout the month. And so I remember that month when you were like, I feel like I just need to like be institutionalized for two weeks out of every month. Um, So, but I think, I think witnessing you every month, Sam, I think the challenge every month has been, is this going to be permanent? Am I going to keep feeling like this? Am I going to be able to get out of this? So I wonder if tracking that Sam would be really illuminating for you because then you can see, okay, this is day five and every other month before this by day seven, it was better. You know, like I wonder, do you feel like that would be helpful? I think, yeah. So I've actually been tracking for 19 months and I can see it, it is like clockwork. I can see Mm. this logically, but I don't, Mm feel emotions with logic when they happen. Sure. And yeah. so, no, no, we don't. Right. And so although actually something that did help me this past week was like, oh, like one week ago, I remember being in a really good mood, which means like nothing, nothing dramatic has happened. It's just this internal thing that's going on. And so at yeah. least I was able to anchor into that, that like, oh, this is a hormonal chemical thing. This isn't like my life falling apart thing because it's very easy to make judgments and assumptions about your life because of the way that you feel, right? And so we can separate, I think, how we feel and what's going on externally. But it is just, I think that what I'm coming up against recently really is almost like this unfairness. I don't know Mm -hmm. if you've dealt with women feeling that way where it's like, but why? Like, why do I have to experience such dramatic mood swings. Like it feels almost unfair and not just to me, but also like the people in my life, right? Because I become, Mm. and Gina knows this, but I tend to become very reclusive and like I shut down and like people will try to like reach out to me and like spread kindness or whatever. And I'm just very rejecting of that. I, I don't feel like I almost even deserve that because I'm like in this like just, just very low state. And so it almost... I don't know if you've dealt with this with other women too, but there's almost like a lot of anticipation even after you're out of it that you know it's going to come back, right? So if Mm -hmm. we are a cyclical being, you know, how can we create a more compassionate relationship with this cycle? Because I understand it's a cycle, but sometimes it almost makes me feel sad that it's a cycle. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I will say, and I always have to say this, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a medical professional, I can't diagnose, cure, or guarantee. But for me, it almost feels like when I come up with clients who have something like PMDD um, or just really intense PMS, I like to call them all cycle signs. And so even Mm -hmm. PMDD, I would refer to what you're experiencing as a cycle sign. Mm -hmm. So what is this sign trying to show us? So the first thing I have people do when they come up with cycle signs like this 
is look in other areas of your life. Where are you giving too much? Where are you not receiving? Um, Are there things outside of your cycle that feel like they're very stressful for you? Um, Are you doing a lot of things that put you in front of a screen, things that take you out of nature? And that's honestly like a yes to most, most of those answers are yes because of the world we live in. Right. But I feel like when we think back just, I mean, a hundred years ago, right. People weren't having the issues we have now when it comes to our our periods. Like they weren't sure there was every once in a while, there would be people who probably had issues. And of course, like you're mentioning the hysteria and all the bullshit, putting people in sanatoriums just because of like, Whatever, you know, that's a whole other podcast conversation. But it's like, (laughs) for me, thinking back to the fact that the state we live in now is probably dysregulating what's going on. So can you release some things in other areas that might be triggering? Or could you just say, so here's the way the cycle works, right? So the first couple weeks of the cycle, you are more outward, you are more social. The next couple weeks before your bleed, you are more internal and more introverted and more inner focused. And that's how you know, plants do their thing. That's how nature does its thing. You need the out and you need the in, the yin and the yang. Mm. So when I see people who sounds like what you're experiencing feel very much like they need to go into like hermit mode and they've got a bunch of emotions, what would be so bad about just letting that be? So if you're, Mm. so do you just feel really alone in those times and that's, that's kind of what it is? I think because I wasn't in tune with the cycle for like 13, 14 years, I'm very identified with the outward, yeah. right? Yes, so, of course. Yeah. So the behaviors, actions, and you know, quality of life that I associate with the first part of the cycle felt like my life between mm-hmm. ages um, 15 and 28. And it was why I was so scared to get off because I I, I knew intuitively like things are going to change. But much like you, I, I wanted to kind of live this connection to my my true self. I, I could, I don't know, it's weird. I could feel it. I was like, I feel that something is missing. And I couldn't really explain to other people because they were like, oh, are you trying to get pregnant now? And I was like, no, I literally do not want that at all. I, I just... I don't know. Like, I just wanted to be like a cyclical being, but I have to be honest. I think there's a lot of women who are struggling with this cycle. And I I have thought actually throughout the past year, like, do I just get back on birth control? And like, I'm wondering what you say to people who want to take that route. And like, mm-hmm. sometimes I think, you know, it is synthetic, but is that always bad? You know, like what right. what can we do to really support ourselves? Because I feel that I really have to denounce this conditioned paradigm that I'm living in in order to be in sync with my cycle. And how realistic is that for so many women, right? Because a lot of women, I'm lucky that I'm an entrepreneur. And so yesterday I did take the whole day off. I did go to the spa. I did get a massage and that, that actually helped. But there are a lot of women who are working a typical job where they go to work every day, presumably Monday through Friday, regardless of week one, week four, right? How can these women really support themselves? Because I don't think the world is really cut out for literally a a woman, like a cyclical being. Like these are people who need to literally during that week, I feel like we need to just have like go home. Like we should work three weeks out of the month and that would, that should be normal, but it isn't. So First of all, absolutely. The world is set up for male hormones. It is not set up for the circadian, I'm sorry, the infradian rhythm, um, which is what 
those with menstrual cycles um, have inside them. It is a special biological clock that governs the menstrual cycle. Yeah. And the funny part is, if you look at productivity levels for menstruators, if we all got off work for our periods, we'd still be just as productive as we would be without. Because how much downtime are you losing feeling like shit? on your bleed. If you were able to take those days off and actually rest, you'd get so much more done in the fiery weeks that Mm -hmm. come after the period in the hype, in the, in the, in the really like outward phase. So what do I say to people who are like, this sucks. And I just want to go back on the pill. First of all, I would say are who else is in your support system staff, right? Like, do you see a therapist? Because mm-hmm. I'm not equipped to be dealing with a lot of the things that you may be dealing with if you really are struggling um, with some things that, you know, mental health issues. And I've had mental health issues too. So, yes, I got a therapist, a psychiatrist. Who is Who else is helping you? Um, and then I would just say, what's going to happen when you don't take – like, there's going to be a day when you're not on the pill. Like, there's going to be a day, right? Like, you're mm-hmm. going to be 50. You're going to go off the pill then. Then you're going to be in the middle of menopause plus coming off the pill. And so it's like – I, I, I'm never going to say, don't go back on it, especially if that feels, that's right. what feels safest to you. But I just feel like for me and my belief about the pill, it is perfect for what it was designed to do, which is keep you from getting pregnant for people who are mm-hmm. on the pill because their doctor found that to be the easier route than to address the root cause of your acne or the root cause of your irregular periods or the root cause of whatever else there was, heavy bleeding, endometriosis. Like the pill is a Band-Aid that doctors place women on so they don't have to deal with that shit. Like that's my belief. But then it's like there's going to be a time when you're not on the pill anymore. Maybe you want to have a baby. What happens then? Do you need to have IVF? Are you going to be able to conceive like Mm. naturally? So for me, it's just the medical professionals are also very gaslighty about, like you said, like, oh, "Oh, this is just how it is. Oh, you don't really feel good. Well, that's just how it is. It's your period. Like, that's not how it is. That is a sign. Mm. Like, there is a deeper hormonal imbalance going on, I believe, in anyone who experiences massive cycle signs. And doctors, yeah. let's face it, in the in the Western world are not equipped to help with that because they're very overworked. And they're also not often taught how to really get to the root cause. So maybe we go see a naturopath. Maybe you... you um, talk to an herbalist, like people like that, I would just say, maybe Mm -hmm. seek that out before you for, for sure say, let me just pop the pill again. Just because long-term the pill is shown to have some pretty shitty side effects, right? So depression, anxiety, and suicidal ideation with the pill, much higher, much higher. Um, It can also do things like increase the risk for certain cardiovascular issues, certain types of cancer. And the pill was never studied to like to be on as long as we are. So they really stopped doing studies on the pill like a couple decades after the pill came out. And the pill is the origins of the pill are so problematic in and of themselves. But like even those doctors, they weren't studying this past five years. And now we have women like you and I who've been on the pill for a decade or more. And it's like there aren't studies on that shit. And you know why they aren't? They're not studying women anymore. They don't study women in medical studies because we're not because we are cyclical. And I mean, I, I, I see the scientific part of it. Like you don't have a, you know, what's it called? A control group. Yes. I would love for you to go. With cyclical people. Yeah. I would love for you to go even deeper into that because I don't think people realize the. Oh, um, God. 
Yeah, the medical politicization of of studies happening between men and women. There's hardly any medical studies done on women because, like you said, we. Um, I would also love for you to sorry, circling back, de- give a little bit more details about infradian versus circadian because mm-hmm. I do think I think Gina and I are familiar, but just for anyone who's listening, so that they understand the difference and how that affects sure. these controls, these control groups in the medical studies, and why we wouldn't use women in these studies. Absolutely. So. When we look at male versus female hormones, we all have something called the circadian rhythm. And that's something that, you know, we talk a lot about because it's what governs our sleepiness specifically, a lot of other uh, biological functions. But think about in terms of sleep. The sun comes up, you wake up, the sun goes down, you get sleepy. So Mm -hmm. that is one of the biological rhythms. Well, male hormones, they fluctuate very much on that similar rhythm. um, And I like to equate them with the sun. The sun rises and falls every day. And that's how male hormones are. They go up, they go down very predictably. That's why we have a nine to five job situation. That's why we have things like happy hour because they're tuning down. That's why they have morning meetings because their testosterone is up. So when it comes to women and menstruators, we have something in addition to that called the infradian rhythm. And so this looks like a month, I say a month, it's however long your menstrual cycle is, Right. And the infradian rhythm governs several different biological functions, your brain function, your metabolism, your ability to put on muscle, your mood, your mental focus. I mean, everything is governed by the infradian rhythm and it rises and falls with your reproductive hormones. So there are four main female reproductive hormones that I deal with when I talk to clients, FSH, follicle stimulating hormone, luteinizing hormone or LH, estrogen and progesterone. And so those, when you look at the chart, rise and fall throughout a, we'll say, 28-day window, because that's what everybody talks about, but Mm -hmm. cycles are various lengths. But it rises and falls over 28 days. So we're very much like the moon. So we are waning and we're waxing. (laughs) We're full. We are in darkness, right? So when you start to think about that, that's one thing that I have people really start to think about when they say, I don't have motivation to go to the gym every day like my husband does. I don't have this motivation like my male coworkers to get everything done every day. Well, you are not the sun. You're the moon, right? They are working in their, mm. their solar and their solar system over there, and we are in our lunar system. So you are um, regular. You are predictable. You're just predictable over a much longer period of time. Now, when it comes right. to medical studies, because of those fluctuations, women and menstruators are not good study material because we are all over the place. You would have to, to get a control group because let's be honest, like let's look at, okay, we'll talk about some of the main diet and fitness trends out there, hit and intermittent fasting. Those were done yes. study-wise on men and menopausal women because menopausal women do not have the hormone fluctuations. Their infradian rhythm has shut off after they stopped having regular menstrual cycles. But mm. HIT and IF, intermittent fasting, worked really well for those people who are basically on a solar system cycle. Mm. However, when they started testing that shit on people who were menstruating, They recognized that in the first half of their cycles, it worked pretty well. But the second they went into their inner fall or their luteal phase, which is the second half, it just went bonkers. Like it was making them retain fat, 
muscle wasting was also turning on. And it all has to do with how much cortisol is spiking in the latter half of your cycle. So IF and uh, HIT was not something that was working for menstruators month after month. Maybe you would lose a little weight in the first two weeks, but if you are dieting and over-exercising in the second two weeks of your cycle, you're going to put on all the weight you just lost and possibly more, even if you're not eating anymore. And that to me was wild. As someone who had 20 years of eating disorders, it was wild to me to realize that if I wanted to eat the exact same thing, 28 days of my cycle, the first two weeks, I'd feel lean. I'd feel strong. I'd probably lose a couple of pounds. The second two weeks, I'm not changing my diet, but I'll be damned. I'm putting on water. I'm putting on weight. I feel like shit. I have no motivation. My mood is horrific. And that really has to do with the fact that once you've got the hormonal switch after ovulation, you need more food, 250 calories on average more a day just to function. And yes. so as my eating disordered self in the past was like, oh, great. I That means I, I will be burning even more. That's not how it works. It's not like you're burning 250 mm. more calories a day. You need that extra food. And if you don't have it, then your body puts yourself back into that starvation mode to retain all the food you are eating. And so it's like a hamster all wheel right. that you can't get off. So those people who are looking to <sighs> lose weight, get fit, that's really why you have to start Um, looking at your cycle and um, syncing with that in order to see any benefits. So I think I answered both of the questions, but oh, and and just one last thing about the medical studies. So back in the 90s, they actually said like women need to be in medical studies and everyone's like, okay, okay. (laughs) Then like 10 years later, they're like, no, for real, like start studying them. And now we're what, 20, 30 years later and like we're barely in anything and yeah. and the studies we are included in are really only on like the national federally funded studies and they're not that often and we're mm. also not studying we're not studying the things that impact half the planet we're not studying the menstrual cycle we're not studying endometriosis we're not studying PCOS which affects millions and millions of women across the whole world. And the reason I believe we're not studying those things is because, first of all, it would be tricky to study that, a little too tricky potentially to figure out some of these studies. And I get that, like devil's advocate for myself. I can understand that. But for me, and this is more on like a political whatever, I think that it's partly the patriarchy just wanting us to be gaslit into thinking like we're crazy, we're whatever, just be be quiet, be weak, be submissive. Sorry, your shit's all wild, but like we're not going to fix it. Yeah, 100%. 100%. I mean, I still hear men saying things like, yeah, like a woman can never run the country because I mean, look at how you guys act like throughout the month. But like, that's that's so easy for them to say when they're not getting curious about, you know, how to work with that cycle and how actually empowering it is to have this intuitive connection to the moon and our emotions, right? These are actually really valuable skills that men maybe don't have. And it's not about like men versus women, right? It's about really empowering both the the divine masculine and the divine feminine, but the divine mm-hmm. feminine has been just, just so, so suppressed. And so you actually illuminated so much. Um, and this reflects a lot of things that I had to learn just on my own. It's crazy to me that if you want to learn about this, you have to take so much responsibility because yeah. no mm-hmm. one will teach you. Right. And oh. so we, going back to, um, earlier in the conversation, you had talked about a lot of the root causes, right? So a lot of times when women are having these cycle signs, like you said, they might go to a doctor and the doctor, man or woman might be conditioned to say, oh, you know what? Why don't we just put you on the pill and that'll get rid of all of your symptoms, 
right? But like you said, this is not addressing a root cause. And so I was going to ask you, number one, what are the common root causes? But number two, I think also the way that because women are so uneducated about what happens each month, you know, if you are conditioned to think that your worth is your body size, then you are engaging in these over-exercising, under-eating things, and then you're actually setting yourself up for more failure. And then you don't know why yeah. you're not losing the weight. You don't know why your body's not changing. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So the yeah. root causes question is a little difficult to kind of express without more detailed knowledge of each person individually. But I will just say that any cycle sign that pops up, like acne, like hair loss for me, like hair growth in weird spots, um, bloating, things like mood swings, all of those can be attributed to hormonal imbalances um, that you can absolutely help through diet, lifestyle, and self-care changes. Maybe you need to Mm. up your supplements. Maybe you need to, um, like magnesium is a supplement that I suggest for a whole lot of people based on the fact that it's really good for helping with cramps. Um, And especially after the age of, uh, I think it's 30, we start, well, kind of as a nation, we're very magnesium deficient because of how we grow our our plants now, Mm -hmm. how how farming industry is because the soil is very depleted. But magnesium can just be a really helpful supplement for any menstruator. Yeah. Um, Melatonin is another really good one. Yeah. Perfect. Zinc also probably pretty good, especially if you're having acne issues. Zinc is a really good one. Um, But like I said, I really work on an individual basis with each client to figure out what they may want to take for whatever hormonal imbalance. But here's Mm -hmm. the thing, like hormonal imbalances take time to figure out. And lots of doctors don't have more than 15 minutes with you to look at you and say, oh, sorry, you got acne and your period's irregular. Here, take the pill. So simple versus looking at it and thinking, okay, what's the family history? What was your mom's menstrual cycle like? Um, How real, how long is your menstrual cycle? I'm still, I I don't even want to say surprised because I was like this too. When I ask people, how long is your cycle? Most people say three days, five days. Like, nope, that's how long (laughs) your bleed is. Right. (laughs) That's how long you're bleeding. And that's what we're conditioned to think. Just track your bleed. Right. I mean, I'd rather them be tracking their bleed than nothing at all. But the menstrual cycle itself is the first day of your period all the way until the day before your next period. Yes. Mm. And so those really tell a lot. So if it's short or if it's really long, if it goes from long to short to long to short, back and forth, those can tell us a lot of things about what may be happening with those main four hormones, the LH, FSH, estrogen, and progesterone. Also, when we're young, oh my God. So I love this analogy that my, my teacher, Gemma, who is the one who created cyclical, which is the certification that I received, she would basically say, okay, so when you first move to a new place, let's say we'll use my example. When I first moved to my city now, going to my job, I had to use map. Uh, I always say MapQuest because that's how I am. Um, (laughs) You're going to use the app on your phone, kids. Um, So you, but you'd have to get directions, right? Like those first couple of days, you need to figure out, okay, someone has to guide you because you don't know how to do it on Mm -hmm. your own. Maybe you can like see um, the way to go and, and you're, you're mentally, you're like, okay, I, I get it now. But then like a couple of days you go without the directions, maybe you get lost. But now weeks and months later, you know, every way to get to work, you know, the back way, you know, the shortcut, you know, the way to go by Starbucks, like, you know, all the ways when we're children and our bodies are learning to menstruate for the first few years after our first period, 
that is when a lot of these hormonal imbalances pop up. And we're also kids, right? So we have a lot of different things also going on with our bodies as we grow and go through puberty. So things like irregular cycles, things like hormonal acne, those things are really, I would say, common but not normal in kids as they Mm -hmm. go through puberty. And so when it comes to the cycle, think about it like you need directions. Like your body has to have a little bit of time to learn how the hell to get to the period. And that could take years. Mm. It could take two years is really the average to for most menstruators before they start having a really regular cycle. So you were 13 when you had your period, but you were 15 when you went on the pill. So that's really short. Yeah. Like your body didn't have enough time, most likely, to figure out how to get to the period on its own. All the back ways, mm. all the shortcuts, mm. all the ways, you know. And so when we put people on the pill as kids or the IUD as kids or whatever, it's really just putting a roadblock in the midst of that very healthy biological process, and it's just stopping it. And so then 13 Mm. years later, 17 years later, however many years later, when you will eventually come off the pill, your body, if you went on it as a kid, may not even know how the fuck to menstruate. And so then, of course, you have more problems when you come off of it. And then, of course, the doctor is going to be like, just go back on the pill. Like I had when I got diagnosed with PCOS after coming off the pill, my gynecologist was like, well, you could go back on the pill. I was like, listen, that's not happening. Like you already know why I'm off of it. And she never pressured Mm -hmm. me at all. She's great. But she's like, you could go back on it. But when you realize that the pill does not regulate your cycle, it stops your cycle altogether. Right. And that's like what the scientists discovered. In the years after the pill was created in like the 1960s, there were studies that basically said people will have irregular cycles when they come off of the pill if that has been a thing that they'd had before it. They actually said, don't give the pill to people with irregular cycles who haven't had all their kids. Do not give the pill to them. So we're giving the pill to kids who haven't had all their kids Mm. who have irregular cycles. What are we doing to them? I think we're just messing them up Mm. for the long haul. And for me... My conspiracy theory theory is that it's the pharmaceutical companies just wanting us to stay on pills our whole life. I mean, then I'm, they'll give I'm you hundred percent. Yeah, like they'll that. give you yeah. IVF when you can't get pregnant, and then they'll give you a hormonal replacement when you're old. Oh my god! And then you're paying them the whole time. It's just so wild because I mean, I went on birth control. I think when I was nineteen, um, and I remember okay. you just walked in. It was like going to get candy from a store. I just went yes. in and I was like, I want to get birth control. And they gave me like six packs. Didn't tell me anything. anything. I just asked my friend, how do I use this? And that was it. And honestly, I didn't even think about, I didn't think about any ramifications. I didn't think about what this was doing to my body. I had no idea. And so really there is so much miseducation. And, you know, like you were saying, Sam, with our moms, not t- talking to us about it, like they don't even know. So how could they right. teach yeah. us? Right. There's literally no one, I mean, and at least in our generation that even knew the language to speak and really teach us how to navigate through the world, like as a woman with these things that we're dealing with. So for me, I went on the birth control pill for, I don't remember, like a few years. And then I went on the IUD. And again, the the conversation that got me onto the IUD was, oh, isn't taking birth control so annoying? You're not going to have to remember to take a pill. So get the IUD. And I was like, that sounds perfect. And I don't get get my period either. Perfect. Sign me up. And so the way that that was delivered and packaged to me was just the benefit of not having to remember to take a pill and I don't get get a period. So don't awesome. I get to go swimming and do whatever. I don't have to wear a pad. I don't have to wear, you know, do a tampon. It was like, it was all in in my benefit, but there was no explanation of what that does to me when I want to go get pregnant again, not having a period for 
over a decade. Honestly, I think it's been like 15 years for me, obviously, except for the time I wasn't on birth control after giving birth. And even then, my period was so weird after that. Um, and so, right, curious, which makes sense. Which makes sense. Um, but then I went, I actually tried birth control again, but um, I get migraines. And so it actually made my migraines a thousand times worse. Um, and so I got mm-hmm. off that and then I just went back on the IUD. And again, out of just lack of knowledge and understanding, you know, what are our options at this point? They all seem bad. Mm-hmm. And also the the testing of different birth controls is like a whole other oh, thing. God. You know, like just here, just try this one for three months. Does doesn't work, try a different one. It's like, really? I'm just gonna be the yeah. testing and they'll say, lab. They'll literally say, like, yeah, you gotta try for at least three months to see, like, you know, yeah. what it what it does to you. Like you just it's gotta like, yeah. <laughs> It's wild. And yeah. so I guess my question for you is with the IUD, like what is actually happening and what are some things that women should know about being on the IUD and getting off of the IUD? Is that different than birth control? Yes. You know, what are the effects after? Which IUD do you have? The Morena. Okay. I had Morena too. Um, my horm- my mood swings were horrible. Do you have mood swings on Morena? No. And so that's a thing. Okay. Doing a lot of research, there was a lot of crazy stories that I heard. But honestly, yeah. for me, like I've been fine. Um, okay. Well, fine, according yeah. to what a doctor would say. Um, but yeah, of course. So basically, when you have an IUD, an intrauterine device, it is giving you probably, I'm trying to think what Marina's is a progesterone. I think it's based. Yes. Yeah. So it's giving you a low level of progestin pretty much the whole time. And it's been a while since I looked in detail about all the different birth controls. I actually have a birth control masterclass that is part of a bundle. If people are interested in the nitty gritty of birth control, they can reach out to me and and I can get them some access to that. But amazing. from my remembering in that, the IUD itself, when the progestin is just kind of giving you that low level all the time, it kind of puts you into a state where a couple things can happen. It's either keeping you from getting pregnant by altering the atmosphere of the uterus. So it is, quote unquote, less um, hospitable to sperm. Um, And that usually looks like changing your cervical fluid, meaning that it could make it where it's less fluid. So it's more tacky um, because there's all these different ways that birth control works. And that's another Mm -hmm. thing that doctors really don't ever talk about because they don't really know. Like they don't really know why birth control works. They just know it works. It either Mm. works because it keeps you from ovulating. It screws with your cervical mucus or it makes um, like a plug so that the sperm like really can't get through the cervix. Well, when it comes to the IUD, because of the fact that you're having that low level of progesterone in your uterus always, um, that's why you most likely do not have a period because it's kind of like mimicking the idea of a low like the uterine lining isn't ever really growing because it's yeah. never l- allowing the progesterone, which stimulates uterine growth, to um, get any higher to actually make that uterine lining. Right. Is it the kind of other like thing- being in week one all the time or week two? Does that make sense of your cycle? Yeah. Yes, it can be. And that's also why they often ask you to get the IOD at a very specific point in your cycle. So I don't know if Ooh. you remember that, but they yes, a but lot then- of times. Sorry, I was just going to yeah. say, so they asked me and I'm like, I don't know. I'd have, they, yeah. and they always ask you that. And it doesn't really matter. When was the last day of your period? And I was like, I don't know, yeah. uh, 20, 2002, 2000. No, yeah. I guess it would have been like 2010. You know, like, yeah. I don't know when the last day of my period was, um, which is, I don't know. I feel like I should know that. No, mm-hmm. you don't have to, because it's like, honestly, at this point, it's been so long. Yeah. So, but they, they will ask you to get it at certain points because of where um, the other hormones are. 
like the mm. I'm trying to remember when they had me get mine. I think it was like at the the week after the first period, yes. the, like the period. So yeah, it would be kind of like in week one because wow. of the low levels. But only if you only if you tracked that. Otherwise, yes. you right. have no idea, right? Wow. Okay. Right. Um, and so the answer to that question about would it be week one? Maybe I'm not exactly 100 percent sure. Um, mm. But let's talk about what it's like when you get the IUD out. So yeah. when we look at time to um, conception or, or time to regular ovulation, birth control pills, usually you will have a quicker time to ovulation, steady ovulation than you would for IUDs. Kind of makes sense, right? One's being ingested orally. One is in your body. Um, yeah. But it's not that much difference, right? So I think the average for birth control is like six months. I think IUD is about nine months. If you get the depo shot, that one is like 15 to 18 months, potentially. That's like the long, long, long form end. Um, and all of those wow. stats come from, um, I believe it's Dr. Laura Bryden. She is a um, women's hormone expert out of New Zealand. She has some really great books, but she talks about that. And there's another one beyond the pill. And I can't remember the name of the lady who wrote that, but they talk about that for sure. Um, about the time to regular ovulation, because that's really what you want to do, right? So we think of a lot of us, I will just put us all in we. We think of ovulation as only this thing that is the gateway to baby. And if you don't want to get a baby, right. then ovulation is pretty terrifying, right? Like you don't want to be screwing around mm -hmm. on ovulation because you are going to fall pregnant. But the problem with that whole idea is that ovulation has a lot of benefits, right? So mm, it's going to put um, the healthy hormones. It's like we're cycling through the healthy hormones. Regular ovulation has been shown to help prevent things like osteoporosis later in life. And that's one reason why being on the pill for so long could mean you have a higher risk for bone density issues and osteoporosis later in life because you are not fluctuating through those estrogen progesterone cycles. Yes. So coming off of the IUD, so my actually my best friend, she literally just got her IUD out and she is my case study right now. So we're just seeing how it goes. Um Things could be fine for a couple of months and then all hell might break loose because that's something known as post-pill syndrome, which also would uh, play for this as well with an IUD. Mm. Your body kind of takes a couple of months to um, freak out <laughs> and then yeah. all hell might break loose. Like I remember my first couple of months off the pill, everything was okay except for the fact that I had horrible mood swings, didn't want to have sex, and I had no period. It was three mm. to four months later that the hair fell out and I got cystic acne and I was diagnosed with PCOS. So it could be a couple of months after coming off of those those hormonal birth controls when things get real gnarly. Um, but I will say things will most likely flatten out another six months after that. That's usually what I say, depending on how long you've been on one of those forms. Mm. Wow. You know, all of this is just um, more and more confirmation that women have to be, oh my God, so, so, so proactive in their own health, right? And it's something that if you are not actively seeking to understand, you suffer. And, you know, back to your conspiracy theory earlier, right? I think, you know, keeping women confused and emotional is, is so oppressive, yeah, right. Yeah. And so there is so much, um, and it makes sense, right? Like not all of us are extremely conscious about what's going on in our bodies. You know, a lot of us are just living in the mind and just kind of mm -hmm. living in unconscious default mode. And so to really connect with your body and get curious about this, it honestly takes a lot of work, right? Like I have yeah. felt 
I think there have been times where that unfairness theme kind of keeps coming up because I'm like, wow, I have to like, you know, pay attention to myself. So like, like I'm a baby or something, right? Like a baby, when you have a baby, it's like, okay, like, did it eat? Like, did it sleep? Right? It's like, I have to literally look after myself. Like I'm this other being almost and be so careful about like, okay, what am I consuming? What am I not consuming? How am I taking care of myself? And, you know, I think that we're just in a culture that's so, you know, for lack of a better word, like lazy, right? We don't want to look after ourselves in this way, but this is actually the way, the higher road to feeling better about ourselves, more in tune. And so for someone who is coming off or someone who has not even come off, but is just dealing with a lot of these changes, you know, where do you kind of make the first suggestion, right? What's the first suggestion in getting them to understand their unique cycle and to start working with it? Because I really feel that our day-to-day life is not working with it. It's working against it. Mm. Right. Because we don't live on that diurnal cycle. Exactly. You know, I almost think that parts of the pandemic actually did good when it come when it came to helping us understand how ne- necessary it was to be taking care of ourselves. Right. Like rest yeah. was so necessary and self-care as well. So. I think the the narrative around self-care, fortunately, has has shifted versus how it was a couple of years ago when it was just like pop on a face mask and drink a glass of wine. That was like, quote unquote, <laughs> self-care. Like, right. For me, self-care is going into the shadows of yourself, deep, dark shit that you don't want to look at. Um, and like you're saying, doing the stuff that isn't very fun, like figuring out the meal plan for the week based on what your cycle might or might not be doing. Um, understanding the power of the word no and that that's a complete sentence. So like you were saying, the whole Mm -hmm. idea of keeping women down and keeping women oppressed. So the first thing that I have people really look at when they start to do this work is look back at the lessons you were taught about your cycle. You guys are both saying that your mom and your mom's friend, Sam, were saying, oh, this is going to suck your whole life. Doctors are like the same thing. Like I went to this forum a couple of weeks ago and I was livid. It was all these gynecologists talking about all this shit and like how one of them gave an IUD to a 12 year old. And I was like, give me a fucking break. Um, oh, my but they God. were talking oh about God. the narrative was like, oh, your period happens to you. Well, right. If you look at it that way, it's such a disempowering perspective. So yeah. when you start to look back at what are the beliefs that were told to me and that now are ingrained in me as self-limiting beliefs about my menstrual cycle. What are those narratives? What are those stories? So I have like the first lesson I have everyone work on is rewrite your menstrual cycle story, your first one, your menarche, like, and and just not even like changing it, just write it down. What was it like for you looking at it from the eyes of an adult now or as a teenager, because I work with kids too. What were the lessons? My big lessons were hide it, feel embarrassed about it. Don't talk about it. Mine happened the night before sleepaway camp. Um, mm. So I was alone. Um, and so looking at how shifting those narratives could have changed your entire perspective. And then, because sometimes it's easier to do that when we look in the past, right? So we start by looking back and thinking, how would this have changed if I had been able to celebrate this? If I had been Mm. surrounded by people who were like, hell yes, now you are going to understand the superpower that is the menstrual cycle and we're going to help you understand it. So you look back and think, wow, that would have been really great. But don't get depressed or sad about the fact that you've lived for for me got 20 something years before I got this awakening idea just now look at it from the perspective of okay so now I get to like you I think mm. you were saying I have to do this I get to mm. or I could I I completely eliminate the word should from my vocabulary and say yeah. I could do this or I could do that I could choose to live cyclically or I could choose to completely disengage with my body and continue to fall into the grasp of 
hustle culture, which for me is a tool of the patriarchy to keep you oppressed. And yep. and I understand because I was a news anchor up until like a month ago. I quit my job a month ago. And wow. I, I was in like the daily grind throughout the pandemic for the last 15 plus years. And so I totally understand about not being able to like take off work or quit your job or like really relax into the cyclicalness. But mm. when you just start reframing, I get to do this, I get to know what it feels like to be someone in this body, a very mm. unique experience on this planet. The other thing I like people to remember is that this has not been the way forever. It's only been the way for about the last two to 5,000 years. Previous to that, we worshiped the goddess. We were in matrilineal tribes. We were really in tune with the moon and our cycles. And when people bled, they were together in the red tent they were, it was a community building exercise. Mm. They were, they were basically worshiped. People came and did the mundane shit. They cooked for them, cleaned up for them. And so for about three days, usually around the new moon, because that's um, what we were, that's what scientists and archaeologists believe was when they bled because the full moon is usually when the earth mm -hmm. is more fertile. So, plus I believe they ovulated at the full moon because they have more light to see to, to have sex. Um, yeah. So I'm actually, yeah. so, li I'm literally in tune exactly with the moon. With the moon. Like exactly yeah. 28 days, literally. Now, if you're listening to this, you know, but period, <laughs> new moon, ovulating full moon, which is yeah. honestly when I remember Fantastic. that connection, I'm like, what the heck? Like that mm -hmm. is some freaky alien shit. Like when I now, really think about it, I'm like, this is crazy. Like how, how can I feel so alienated in my own body for this thing that's connected to the literal moon? I can look yeah. at the sky and know where I am in my cycle by literally the shape of the moon, which is so crazy. And what's interesting about that perspective for you is because you have so much time beforehand where, where you feel like you need to go in, inner, be alone with yourself, the new moon is the dark of the moon where we go in and we deal with our own shadows in the dark. If you ever switch, which you might, to the opposite cycle where you're bleeding on the, uh, bleeding on the full, that's a very outward. So a lot of people who are teachers, who are um, like these big healers, women in later forms of life, like in their mother or their wise, well, getting toward wise women, but more like their wild woman archetype, they mm. may switch to bleeding with the full because then you're giving your knowledge out, right? So you're mm. giving outwards. Um, a lot of people who are younger and are maybe trying to become mothers, I have seen bleed with the new ovulate with full, like, like, I guess, pastimes. And it's just, it's just another example of the fact that our society bases our worth on how much we do. But yes. that's only been a thing for, I mean, honestly, that's really only been a thing for like a couple of decades. But the patriarchy yeah. and the oppression of the feminine has really been only a thing since uh, I think it's two to 5,000 years. I've been reading a book called When God Was a Woman, very highly recommend. But it talks Ooh. about the fact that like, we were worshiping feminine deities because women are, of course, divine. We give life. We're the reason we're why life happens. Yes. yes. The portal of the divine. And forever, they didn't understand what the hell men even had to do with it. And so it was only when these tribes of conquerors, most likely from like the Viking era, came down and were conquering these other nations um, in the Middle East and Egypt and all of those, um, that the suppression of the feminine really got going. Mm. So when you think about that, when you think about that in regards to like how I, it helps me to think about that sometimes, right? Like when I'm feeling low, yes, very I'm like, helpful. damn, it's only my current conditioning in this lifetime that, cause I know I've lived multiple lives in other past situations, 
you know, it's it's only in this situation in this life that's telling me this shit. So what is right and what is wrong? Mm. I am right because of the way I feel in myself, even when I don't yeah. feel the greatest, when I have days that are challenges. The outside world is what is wrong because it has been just completely like yeah. commodified and and just it's a slave to the fact that we need to be doing to be worthy and we need to be gaining and hustling and and so for me it's like finding a way to just be in this existence with yourself and understand that this mm. there's not really a destination except coming home to yourself because mm. i feel like that's a thing when you come off of the pill you're like all right hell yeah i can't wait for this to be done it's never done until you're dead because even yeah, after yeah. you don't bleed anymore and you're in menopause there are still multiple ways for you to be in a cyclical body thanks to the moon um, and so I think that maybe just reframing that whole have to get to a destination, which is very masculine and very like, you know, solar system ish. Like, what's the goal? What's the what's the prize? Yes, For totally. me, it's like the prize is understanding how to be my fullest self every day and feeling as good as possible by doing the things I can do and could do, not should do. Mm -hmm. I love oh. that. That's so much more empowering. Um, that was yeah. such a beautiful way of wording all of that. Um, because for me, to be honest, with Sam going through what she's going through, I'm about to get off of my IUD because my husband is going to get snipped at some point. Um, and I'm, I've been kind of scared because I'm like, what is going to happen mm -hmm. when I go off? And, and now I'm not going to go on birth control at all. And it's going to be my first time in a long time not having anything. So I've been a little bit scared um, just in anticipation anticipation of that. But after this conversation now, I'm actually kind of excited to see what does my body do and how can yeah, I yeah. honor my body and see like, where am I on the moon? I, I'm really actually excited to see that. So on that note, um, you know, as a mom of a girl, um, I would love to know any tips that you have for parents on how can we educate our daughters on their cycle? Like how can we create an environment where they are empowered? What are some things that we can say as they're mm. approaching that phase? I love this question. So I don't have any kids, but I have worked with children. Um, my youngest client was 12. And, from, and being someone who was a child at one point, I would say the first thing to do is let them in. Let them in to the, especially with you, right? Like the first thing I would do when you come off of that IUD and Sam, if you don't do this now, create a chart. Um, mm -hmm. I had a chart and it has, I've created a reel about it It's way back, but you put a chart up somewhere that says, okay, this is where I am in my cycle. I made a circle separated into four different spaces and I put, um, like M O L F. So uh, menstrual follicular luteal ovulation. And then I would put a little magnet into whatever place I was. And mm -hmm. then I also had a little, it was on a whiteboard so I could just like check it off. Um, what I need for me, because my libido was gone, I had what I needed sexually and then also what I needed emotionally. So it would be things like I need to have talks. I need to have adventures. I need to be alone. Um, with the sex, it's like I need just cuddling. I need, you know, um, something that's no penetration. And so for us in our relationship, that gave my husband a visual cue. Okay, this is how she is today because mm. I was always so different. With right. kids, I think it would be so special to have a very similar chart that they see always from the youngest of ages. And it's just a visual cue. Okay, what does mom need right now? I need a little bit of alone time. Can wow. you read your book while I take a bath? Oh my gosh, or yeah. I really want to go to the, the park and play with you today. Like think because your energy levels will then impact them as well. Then yeah. as she gets older, 
thing, the most important thing that you can start doing is thinking about teaching this in a way they understand. Because for me, the thing that was so shitty was like the little bit of education I did get was in these big, broad words. I didn't understand them and I didn't retain it. Right. Yeah. And so I love to teach this as the inner seasons of your cycle. So inner spring, inner summer, inner fall, inner winter, because usually kids get that. I mean, depending on where you live, I'm in Texas, the seasons are all screwed up, but they'll understand that in a way that they can actually understand, right? Summer, we play outside. It is amazing. Mm. It's hot. Fall and winter, we're doing things like getting ourselves ready for the darkness of the year. We're snuggling inside. We're hanging out. We're resting, right? We're getting to know our family. We're doing things that are focused on the inside. So I would say teaching it in that aspect and then really Mm. understanding that when they have their, their first bleeds, um, doing something to help celebrate them. So some people like to throw period parties and and I feel like that's <laughs> that's awesome. But even just having a little a little go bag with like red towels, red washcloths, special underwear. I love period panties by the way, so like I feel like that's essential for little kids. Like I wish I had had those. Oh, they would have made right? me feel way less stressed out. Yes. Um, and something just having them understand that that narrative that a lot of other people outside of you and your ability to mold them may really be talking about the fact that this is a sucky thing that happens. Mm. But I just wish that more kids were from day one thinking of this as the tool that's going to get them through life in the most aligned and empowered way. Um, and that when things do come up and they have emotions they can't quite clearly express, they could make a chart themselves or they could just, you know, talk to you in a way that makes you f- like, that really helps express, you know, their needs, wants, and desires. And that's a good mm. check-in too. You know, if you have like family discussions, like what was, how was your day? What are you grateful for? What do you need? What is something that you want? What is something that would just be a great desire for you? And I think starting those conversations very young and seeing you embodying that would be important and seeing you rest and seeing you feel empowered by this versus like our moms that never talked about it, hid the panty, the panty liners and the tampons, like somewhere you never freaking found. Yeah. And, and just were, were so much more ashamed of it. Mm. Yeah. Oh my God. I think, you know what you're saying? I heard someone on a different podcast. I don't remember what it was now, but they were talking about how the mom does have like this little chart, like on the fridge. And it's like, it's like common knowledge in the family, like yep. where mom is in the chart. And they'll be like, oh, mommy's in her winter time. Like, let's, let's leave her alone. And yep. I just, I love that so much because I think that like just in my house, right, with my partner, it's not something we talk about all month long. It's kind of just like right when it's happening. And then it's like, oh, shit, <laughs> oh, shit. Like, here, here yeah. it is. It's coming. <laughs> right? And like, you know, he's very respectful, but it does feel like such a like on-off switch. Whereas I feel like if there was this visual, right, there'd be like, you know, just like with anything in life, like how can we kind of mentally prepare for like the days ahead, weeks ahead? We don't just like start preparing one day ahead, right? right? Which is kind of how I've been. I've been a bit reactive. (laughs) And um, going back to, I mean, you said so, Leslie, you said so many empowering things today. But um, one of the things that you mentioned about, right, the, the, um, 
just the feminine, d- divine feminine and the empowerment, right? It's not that you are wrong. It's actually that your conditioning is wrong, yeah. right? And so for women who feel a lot like me sometimes, like where they feel so alienated, like going through these different parts of their cycle, it's like, that's not wrong. I recently had someone reflect back to me that, you know, when I feel really sad, you know, it's very common, right, to get emotional and cry during your period. You know, they say like any commercial will make you sob and all of this. But they were saying to me that your body's actually working properly, right? Yeah. It, would, it would actually be more weird to not experience that hormone drop. Like, like it's more strange to not get the period and to like not feel that. Like that's the norm. Exactly. Like just stop forgetting that that's normal. Like you're functioning normally. And that was so helpful because I think a lot of us, not just with periods, but just as women in the world in this very, you know, capitalistic conditioned society, we're always asking what's wrong with me. And oh the God. thing that, yeah. And the thing that I've been realizing on my spiritual journey is like, nothing's wrong with you. It's, it's the world. Like yeah. it's, it's the conditioning, like you're fine. And, you know, I think I, I was joking with a friend the other day about how even my dog, right. You know, dogs at their natural state are, you know, they're very chill right? They go outside, they sniff the grass, but, you know, dogs in the city, you'll notice they're, they're very chaotic. Like all the dogs are barking at each other, all crazy. And then if you take your dog to the doctor and say like, which I have before, I'm like, my dog is crazy. Like he just wants to bite other people and dogs. They actually, they actually suggested my dog go on anti-anxiety medication. And I'm like, nothing's wrong. I don't think my dog needs medication. I, my dog probably needs to go like run in a field, right? Mm-hmm. Or something like that. And so it, it really made me think deeply about myself and how like, I don't think I need to be medicated. I think I need to connect more with my natural nature. Like, yeah. like mm-hmm. we are nature and we forget that. We're not separate from the literal earth. Exactly. Yeah. I was just going to say, I remember growing up um, – especially when I wasn't on birth control yet or even when I was on the pill, there is a level of like, I would hate it when a guy would say like, oh, are you just on your period? Ugh. And it'd be like, Terrible. I would always want to say no because it almost, right. it almost makes you like, whatever you're upset about completely insignificant and doesn't mean anything. Oh, because it's just you're on your period. But it's like, no, I'm actually upset about this thing happening, but they mm-hmm. would use that almost as an excuse of why yeah. that's irrelevant and doesn't even matter. And so I think that was so perpetuated even in our adult life of having to hide for that reason, even with your partner of wanting to have some legitimacy, I guess, of your point without it being tied to the fact that you're just on your period. You know, and so anyways, I just wanted to tag that on because I think it really is, like you said, there's nothing wrong with us. It's not, you know, there's nothing wrong with us. It's just the way that I guess we view it and everyone else around us views it. And to further that point, no women really talk about this. I think how would we know? Honestly, it's through Sam that I actually started questioning about birth control. I was like, wait, you're right. Like what is happening to my body and what is it actually doing? And I think after I got off the IUD, I did try to get pregnant right away and I actually had a miscarriage. And um, that makes sense then because my body obviously didn't know what the hell was going on. And to go from all these hormones to being on a regular quote unquote cycle, then to getting pregnant, that must've just been such a shitstorm in my body of like, what the hell is going on? Like there's so many different hormones. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think the other thing that's interesting, because you said you had a daughter, I just think that it's also so essential for people who have sons to do this exact same work. Don't change anything. Yes. Do exactly as I said for the daughter, do it for the sons. Because the thing is, 
they are also conditioned to say that shit. Oh, they're all on yes, so like, true. Well, like the way the way the ladies are crazy. Like one week out of the month, like no. I think that mm-hmm. that was really an interesting lesson I learned from my own partner, um, because while shit was wild, like let's not get it twisted, it was wild. Bless his heart, we were newlyweds for the first couple of months. <laughs> oh, oh my God. goodness! But now it's like he knows. I'm like, oh, I'm about to. I'm, I'm like a couple days before my bleed, and he's like, great. What do we need? We need to watch movies. You need some chocolate, and like, yep, great. I love all the things that. You, need. you need to have a talk. You need me to leave. You need me to leave the fucking house. I'm like, yes, actually, great. Yeah. So it's like though they also are conditioned to think a certain thing and I feel like if we start now helping mm. everyone who's young embrace this it will just do better right because I think when we because you were saying this like we are nature we are creation we are mm-hmm. the divine when we start to take care of ourselves and we start to teach the younger generation to honor these parts of themselves as well even if they don't have leads right if they're born in male bodies um I think that that's also going to help us just like heal the earth, pay more attention to the earth because it's really hard to be be paying so much attention to your own cyclical nature and ignore what's happening outside. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. it's very hard to be very in tune with yourself and very out of tune with what's happening naturally. And so I just feel like those two things can really go hand in hand. I have several teachers who are very much like the menstrual cycle and environmentalism is like the thing. I'm not huge. I'm not as big on that as they are, but like it just makes perfect sense to me that being in tune with yourself means being in tune with nature. So you'd want to take care of both. Mm. Yeah. It's like all so interconnected and we keep trying to separate it. Right. I feel like the common theme with our society is separation. It's like even when you try to heal the body, right? Because right, the hormone thing, it's like it's not just hormones, it's like a holistic thing, which is why it feels so overwhelming. Because you don't just address one thing, you have to address the whole thing. And we're just not used to that. We're like, just give me the thing that's gonna fix the one thing. And it's like it doesn't work like that. It's like it's it's like when I go to I know when I go to my chiropractor and I'll be like, Oh, my knee's really hurting, and he's like, Okay, let's adjust your neck. And I'm like, my neck. I, yeah. I need to fix my knee. And he's yeah, like, right. it's literally all connected. Like if your neck is off and then, and so that's always, that's been really helping me understand how everything is on the whole. Mm. And so um, I just, I love this conversation so much. And I hope that so many more women who listen can just feel like, hopefully that it normalized a lot of what they go through and that it really empowered them to become advocates for themselves, right? I think with this kind of thing, no, no one's going to stand up for you. And that felt unfair to me at first, but then it was also really empowering because it's like, oh, I get to do it for myself. Mm. Like, no one's going to do it for me. No one's going to track my cycle for me. No one, no one's going to eat and work out for me, right? It's like, I have to take care of myself and what a beautiful journey to go on. Mm. I love that. Yeah. And I think that separation is truly like one of the biggest tools to keep us oppressed because we don't even if we are in community, like you're saying, you're not really sharing about these specific parts of ourselves. And separation from the divine is really one of the biggest issues in the world right now. So it's like when you start reconnecting with yourself in this way, it is absolutely helping getting into that portal to the divine. Like I, I most people that I work with are are spiritual at least <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. So it's yes. like they are really receptive to these conversations, but it's like Nobody's coming to save you. you. Can absolutely save yourself, and uh, and when you, like you said, really just start reconnecting with that, 
to see yourself as divine and and to see yourself as cyclical absolutely is empowering. And so I think like we've said, to hit the nail on the head for the thousandth time, like you are not wrong. The outside world is wrong. And so starting on the individual level is what then will help you heal the community around you and then the collective. Mm. So that's what I always say. Start within mm. yourself. Then you share with your children. You share with your my nephew, my nieces and nephews, my situation or the young clients that I get to work with. Cause I work with kids for free. Um, so it's like wow. being able to do that in my community. My hope is that they go on to their community and then the collective is healed. Exactly. But it's like a paradigm. Exactly. Shift that hopefully we see in my lifetime, but it's, it's definitely uh, an uphill battle when you look at all of this still very ingrained, very accepted beliefs and things coming from places like doctors and the church and the patriarchy and everything. Yes. Mm. Well, thank yeah. you for doing the goddesses work, really. Because Seriously. like you said, th this was something that was, and that brought me so much peace just coming back to the history because this was honored, right? Th this was like the way of the world. And we yeah. understood this to be a very divine just connected thing. And I think that's why legitimately men were so scared. They were like, yep. what's going on? Like the women, like <laughs> yeah. what are they connected to? Like what's happening? Like, right. Right. It was like, how are, how are they connected to the, 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 the moon and all that would be so creepy. Right. If, if you didn't have any sort of, <laughs> I don't know, information around that. And so I feel like it was really just shunned and suppressed and was like made wrong. And now we have so many women who are just dysregulated, disconnected, and like confused about themselves. And that serves the patriarchy. So, yeah. right. And this, and when I say that, like if any man is listening at this point still, you know, that doesn't mean like <laughs> men are bad, right? That, that's no. not what we're saying. We're just saying that this is just a societal programming that's been mm -hmm. keeping, keeping women oppressed, right. And keeping them confused. And um, when we really take back our power, which I think you're helping so many women do, um, mm. we can just live more in rhythm with how things really should be. Like every everyone should be empowered. It shouldn't be more men, more women or anything. It should just be right. both divine feminine and masculine. Really counterparts is what I always mm. say. Like these aren't better or worse. You know, when we are empowering and advocating for women's rights, we're not saying that men don't deserve the same thing. It's really just allowing both parts to create the whole. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. That was so, so well oh, said. Thank you so, so much, Leslie. Um, you are you just spit so much fire. I can't wait to share this with everyone. But if someone is confused about their cycle, they want menstrual mentorship from you, um, how can they seek that out? How can they work with you? So the first thing to do is follow me on Instagram at Leslie Draffin. I do have free cycle consults right now um, where you can just chat with me for 15, 20 minutes and we can kind of sort out any big problems you're having. I have a new self-paced course called Cycle Codes, which is perfect for anyone who is a beginner. It's everything I wish I had known in one place because <laughs> I had mm. to do so much research on my own. And I would love to give your... Um, listeners, a uh, little discount code to keep that. Right now, it's around two fifty or two sixty. So, uh, we'll create a little discount code, and you guys can talk about it and give you guys a little um, discount for that. And then I Perfect. do one on one mentorships as well. And so, with the mentorships, it goes much deeper than just cyclical living. We talk about how to connect with your womb, how to use crystals to boost your sex drive, how to really feel embodied. We do rage rituals. We do. Um, swamping rituals, which is just kind of like 
getting all the shit out <laughs> to help you feel yeah. more divinely connected. Because I think when you feel all the range of emotions, that's when you feel most lit up. It, it's when we judge our emotions as good or bad that things really can get out of whack. And so I like to yeah. make sure they're feeling their shitty emotions, just like I like to make sure they feel their good ones. And because those are all valid and important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so huge. Um, I feel like really what my menstrual cycle has been pushing me to learn is to not judge the emotions because mm-hmm. I have been so deeply conditioned that I know I'm not alone to think that like being happy and joyful and productive is like good person, great. And then if you're feeling anxious and sad or angry, then bad person, don't mm-hmm. be like that. And um, how can we really give space to these emotions? Like you said, I love how you use the word ritual, right? Because mm-hmm. there's um, there's reverence there. So how can we create rage ritual or, you know, use the energy of sadness um, to create, right? And release mm. because these are these are beautiful energies. And um, I definitely have conditioned programming telling me to suppress some of them. So hopefully going to, re- I've been releasing it during this conversation, but um, thank you so much for providing us your offerings. And we'll make sure to put the code for your yeah. discounted cycle codes course um, in the show notes. Perfect. Mm. I also do have a freebie that, Sam, you may want to check out since you're on your period right now. It's um, Awaken Your Period Power. It's a little bundle. There's an ebook. There's a meditation. Um, and so it's really just how to create a ritual around your menstrual cycle. Mm. Um, things like like sacred baths and meditation and womb breathing. So you may find that to be fun. It's on the link in my bio and my Instagram. Perfect. We'll share that in our show notes as well for anyone else who's listening that either, well, you're either about to be on your period or you are on your period. So (laughs) everyone can benefit from this. So thank you so much for sharing that. And um, we are just so grateful. Thank you for doing, like I said, the goddess's good work. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this honest conversation. We hope it brought you peace, clarity, and a little bit further along your spiritual journey. If you loved this episode, it would mean the world to us if you left us a five-star rating and review so we can bring you more conscious conversations, spiritual topics, and guests. Here's to spiraling higher.